Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Well, we are glad that you are here. Come on, look at someone, wave at someone, act like you know them, act like you just, you know, you're, you've been friends forever. It, it, it should not be weird in church. It shouldn't be. I mean, the truth of the matter is um, we're, we're all the bride. <laughs> uh, that's a big thought. And so, like, we're all, Jesus is king. And so because of that, you know what I'm saying? You get to decide what type of family member you want to be. <laughs> you can be the grumpy uncle. Uh, you can be the sassy teenager. You know what I'm saying? No, we don't have any of those here. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? You can be uh, um, the, uh, the gossip cousin. Come on. But the truth of the matter is, we're all here to allow God to begin to transform our lives. And uh, I know that we all have a church context and we're, we're all moving through life. And um, I just want you to know that we're glad that you're here. My name is Stephen. I am the senior pastor, the, the lead pastor here at the house. And it's been a couple weeks since I have been here. So get ready because I got a lot to say. I got a lot to say. Now, now just because I haven't uh, spoken in the last couple weeks, let me just tell you that this is a life-giving place. So it is okay if you laugh. I mean, like, don't fake laugh me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need that. I'm pretty confident. But, but I don't want you to feel like you have to concentrate so hard that you can't breathe in the service. Just Everybody breathe a little bit. All right. And we really believe that this is not just a moment that you attend, but we actually believe that God wants an encounter with you and him that begins to convict you, challenge you, encourage you, um, uh, help you, build your hope. And so I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, let's talk about mental health. The phrase mental health has become an all-defining statement. And so um, it has started countless conversations in our culture. Some are helpful and some are not. We're just going to talk. Um, the problem is that mental health is so broad. Are we talking about your body and its physical makeup and the fact that there are things that are misfiring and you actually um, like, like need help medically? Are we talking about being outside and walking and enjoying your day? Are we talking about stress? I mean, it, 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 we use a term that's so broad. Um, and the problem now for mental health is Everybody sees it as a right. It's a right for all people. Mental health is a right for all people. And, but there's a, there's a problem with that overall thought is that what happens when we begin to deal with the cry of our culture that is to have more? 
Like, what do we do with the selfish part of it? I'm not saying that every mental health issue is selfishness, but I, if we act as if selfishness does not play into our anxieties, then we deny the fact that we actually want more and we're bringing a lot of stress and we're bringing a lot of anxiety, come on, into our life because we're aiming for perfection. Come on, somebody, you, you hear what I'm saying? And so our souls want more. And I'm not throwing shade on mental health at all. One day I hope that we have a biblical counseling center through our church and uh, we have dreams of that to help people with trauma, confusion, anger. But it just seems like we're not dealing with some of the things that the Bible challenges us on. Like the Bible actually challenges us on self-led living. And if, if we are always thirsty for more, more control, more money, more pleasure, more fame, more, more, more notoriety, then, then we actually come under this thought that we can have it all. And here's what I want you to know. Maybe nobody's told you this, but you can't have it all. I know you might watch The Rock on YouTube. I know that you may have all of these motivational books, but you can't have it all. And here is something that's happening, listen, in America and in our culture. There's this funny movie clip, and you're going to have to stay with me because it's a couple minutes but it's the old Willy Wonka. You know, not Johnny Depp Willy Wonka. It's the real Willy Wonka, okay? And there is this scene with this character, and I want you to see if you see a theme in her, in, in your neighbor, <laughs> like, like in other people. Okay, let, let's play this clip. Hey, Daddy, I want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home. No, I want one of those. Bonka, how much do you want for the golden goose? They're not for sale. Name your price. She can't have one. Who says I can't? The man with a funny hat. I want one. I want a golden goose. Gooses. Geeses. I want my geese to lay gold eggs for Easter. It will, sweetheart. At least a hundred a day. Anything you say. Either way, what? I want a feast. You ate before you came to the factory. I want a bean feast. Oh, what are those? Cream buns and donuts and fruitcake with no nuts. So good you go nuts. You're going to have all those things when you get home. No, now. I want a ball. I want a party. Pink macaroons and a million balloons and performing baboons and give it to me. Now. I want the world. I want the whole world. I want to lock it all up in my pocket. It's my bar of chocolate. Give it to me now. I want today. I want tomorrow. I want to wear them like braids in my hair and I don't want to share them. I want a party with roomfuls of laughter. 10,000 tons of ice cream. And if I don't get the things I am after, I'm going to scream. I 
I want the works. I want the whole works. Presents and prizes and sweets and surprises of all shapes and sizes. And now, don't care how I want it now. Don't care how I want it now. <laughs> You don't know where to like laugh, she was a bad sing along, age. or like we need to come to the altar right now. Where all the other bad okay. eggs go? Down I'm the garbage chute. Uh, oh, but it is true. Shoot. It's true. We've come under this concept where I can have it all. And here's the, the sad thing is uh, it causes us to despise the portion that God gives us. And so each one of you can have a portion and you can enjoy it or you can despise it always thinking that you've never had enough. See, that is the same motive that, that the enemy began to tempt Eve with in the garden. There's something that God's not telling you. There's more. Try this fruit. When more was going to come to Adam and Eve. If Adam and Eve had not sinned in the garden, Genesis 3, then here's what it would have happened. It started with Adam and Eve. They would have had a family. Their family would have created a, a, a home, a, a, a huge family. That family would have been a, a, a nation, a, I mean, a city, a, a neighborhood, a nation, a community, a world. And Adam and Eve would have learned over time and they would have developed a lot. But instead, the enemy comes and it wasn't sell meth to children. It wasn't watch porn all day long. It wasn't rob banks. It was jump. Want more than God is giving you and disregard what he's provided for you and live in such a way where you feel like you don't have what you need. Come on, does this make sense? I would like to submit to you today that if your hope is in a perfect picture, you will never be satisfied with how it looks. Let me say it again. You can't have it all. I'm not trying to discourage you in your dreams. Have them. Read books. Grow. But I am saying that enjoy your portion. The Bible challenges us to work diligently, manage well. And, and, and here's what will happen is we believe that if we trust God, we will increase. And I believe that these steps will bring, come on, prosperity into your life. But if you are pushing for perfection, then it's not just naive, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for the people that are living in the world that you are demanding to be perfect. Perfect careers and marriages and family and finances and bodies and friends and vacations and statements and posts and pictures and churches and ministries and health. <laughs> Is it any wonder why? <sighs> Can't breathe. And stress is at a all time high. We have a society that is agitated and aggravated because our happiness is connected to perfection. My prayer today is that you live an unshaken life. That, that 
by everything that's going on in your life and everything that's going on in the, in the world that you live unshakable. And so my assignment as we end Philippians is unshakable. Come on, everybody say unshakable. We all have moments where we're going to manage our stress. And today Paul ends his letters, letter to the Philippians. And I am confident that this is going to help us navigate our own emotions and move from needing a perfect life to discovering an everlasting hope. An everlasting hope. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 10. And I want to give you four ways to live unshakable. Four ways to be unshakable. Here it is. Paul is writing, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now at length that you have revived your concern for me. So Paul is in prison. The church has sent him a financial gift. And he is basically saying, yo, thanks for the love. You were indeed concerned for me but you had no opportunity. Paul is being super kind. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned. I have learned. Come on, say it with me. I have. What did Paul learn that would make him rejoice in seasons that he didn't choose? Look at this. In whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. In other words, Paul's like, I know how to have a bad day. I know how to have people snap on me. I know how to have people not like what I'm saying. I know how to, I know how to face a little bit of rejection up here. I know how to bound. I know how to win. I know how to run through the tape. I know how to high five everybody. I know how, come on, Listen. In every circumstance, in any circumstance, I have learned, he says it again, twice, I have learned the secret. Come on, there's a secret that, 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 that actually will help you in your whole life navigating your portion. And if you miss this secret, secret you will be tempted beyond what God is giving you. Look at this. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. All types of emotions. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Four ways to be unshakable. Here's the first one. Learn contentment. Come on, write it down. Write notes. Take notes. My hope is that you're not just convicted or stirred in this moment, but that you have, actually have time to contemplate what we're talking about when you go home. Learn contentment. Most of us suffer from the what's next syndrome. I saw this at a greater revelation when my wife and I took our kids to Six Flags years and years and years ago. We, we went to Six Flags in Dallas and we ate well, we played well, we had fun. And we got in the car to come back to Arkansas and my kids were like, Dad, what's next? In a moment, in that moment, Katie and I looked at each other, both exasperated and said, nothing. <laughs> nothing is next. You are doing nothing. We're not talking to each other for 24 hours. <laughs> You're sleeping <laughs> for a while. We have been indoctrinated to despise satisfaction. 
How many people remember the moment that the MVP who just won the Super Bowl, come on, hey, so-and-so, you just won the Super Bowl. Where are you going to go? Come on, what do they say? That person wasn't married to my wife. <laughs> come on. Like, where are you going to go? My answer would have been, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going home to my wife. Uh, she allowed me to play this game for five months. I've been going every weekend. I'm going to go home and kiss her. I'm going to go take out the trash. I'm gonna, but it's, it's like, what's next? I mean, like, I'm going to Disney World? Really? No, no, no. I'd rather play the Super Bowl again and get hit by a 300-pound man than take my whole family to Super Bowl after. Dad! We, we can't even enjoy wins in our life because we're thinking about what's next. Paul tells us twice that he learned it. He learned it. He refuses to live as if he doesn't have enough. He started out this portion of scripture rejoicing. In other words, I'm good. Can we, as a church body, go through hard moments and still rejoice through it? Or do we feel like in some way we are living a lie because if it's bad, i got to let you know I'm feeling bad and then I've got to make sure that bad gets off on you for me to be contextually honest. But the truth of the matter is the Bible says actually you can go through winds and waves and storms and hardship and misunderstandings and, and, and transitions that are difficult, but you can rejoice through it. Paul isn't hating his season. Come on, where are all my young moms at? Where are my dad's at? Where, where, my hating season. Can I come for you real quick? I love you. You don't get to hate your season. You get to learn from it. Life is about growing us up and it's about squeezing the potential and the emotion and all the things that are going on in us. And Paul is telling you, I've learned a secret. I don't want to be where I'm at. I didn't think when my eyes were healed and Ananias prayed for me that I'd be off in a jail. That wasn't my dream. That wasn't on my bucket list. That wasn't the, 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 um, the picture that I had. That wasn't on the vision board. And yet, I'm not hating the season, I'm rejoicing. Paul isn't hurting because he was forgotten. I mean, can, can we just, Paul could have been salty. Like, think about this. He was the one that started the church and the church in, in Philippians, the, the, uh, the, 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 the church actually began to give him financial support and then they stopped for a season and Paul could have been salty. Paul could have said, hey, listen, I mean, all y'all could have like died and gone to hell. If I didn't start this church. And, uh, and now you're going to forget about your old boy Paul. I don't know why I'm going to see you in heaven. Oh. Like Paul wasn't hurting because he was forgotten. And some of us, we lose it over someone who doesn't text us back in like 26 minutes or 30 seconds. It's, I know they read it. What do you think they're thinking? What do you think it meant? Let me edit it seven times and resend it. 
Paul isn't hungry for revenge. You wait till I get back to that church. <laughs> I've been working on my sermon, been in this prison, and I'm just going to come and talk to you stinking heathen. I'm glad you came today. I got some things I need to... <laughs> Paul didn't do any of that. Paul had learned a secret that kept him unshakable. And I am telling you this. You can either try to externally control every voice, every action, and every person in your life. But at the end of that, you will still be frustrated and most of your relationships will end in division. Or you can learn the secret. No one is born with contentment. Contentment doesn't appear because of age, IQ, great career choices, come on, or a raise. It doesn't start after you get some, a few achievements. Contentment is learned. There was a day that um, everyone was satisfied with a regular hamburger, a small fry, and what was a large Coke that is now a medium Coke. Come on, y'all remember? That was like, what? But now, when we go through the fast food line, if it isn't upsized, customized, and quick, we're about to lose. I'm, I'm just telling you, don't make me get out of this car. Not only will I leave you a review, but I will get this whole meal for free. I'm not even playing. When I grew up, eating out was a treat. I mean, it really was. Now, 83% of American families eat fast food restaurants once a week. The average American household spends 10% of their annual income on fast food. Fast food is getting the tithe. Um, that that ten percent will grow you. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was being a little salty for Paul. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm gonna go on. Uh, I'm not hating on fast food. I'm just saying that because we are so hungry for more, that our life is so busy, we've traded nutrition for convenience. Come on, and and, and it is an indicator in our life that we feel like fast gets to move us toward more and we're wondering why mental health is such an issue it's because are we what portion do we control Paul says I, it doesn't matter if I'm hungry I'm humbled or I'm experiencing plenty in every circumstance I can be content the discontentment means that you have forgotten your greatest provision. And the greatest provision from the Father is Jesus. Jesus rescued all of us from a life of, come on, listen, we don't say this a lot, hell and damnation. We haven't read a lot of scripture verses on hell lately. Hell isn't being planted in a house with a family that is of a different political party. That ain't really damnation. Lakes of fire tormenting your soul. Like, like come on, you... 
and we've been saved. Jesus' death on the cross allows us to be a part of a kingdom that will never end. And again and again, Paul shows us that we have all of our needs met in Jesus. Come on, y'all give him a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Here's the second one. Second one, we're talking about living unshakable. Be unshakable. Here's the second one. Live grateful. Philippians 4, 14. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. That was a discipline statement. That was God meets all my needs statement. That was not a salty, come on, statement. That was not a passive aggressive statement. Paul could have come for the church, but he isn't hating on the church. He is acting. He isn't acting as if they haven't done enough. Paul knew where his help came from. Church, this revelation is so freeing to you, it will change your life. This type of thinking will allow you to live unshakable. Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 and 30. This is Jesus. And why are you so anxious about your clothing? Consider all the lilies of the field, how they grow and they neither toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory will not, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Here's the thing. Ingratitude means forgetfulness. And we are a society, we are a nation, we are families that are so chasing the next thing that we have forgotten all the things that people have done in our lives. Wars that were fought, come on, help me. Parents that worked four or five jobs, people that did, and listen to what I'm saying, is now our culture wants to accentuate all of the negativity that anybody's ever done in our life, but we're devaluing the thing that has elevated us. Come on, hear what I'm saying. And slowly we, were not, we are becoming people who forget all that God has given to us and we act like we have to do it all ourselves. It's not appreciating or valuing what you have or what you've been given. Unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. Who do you need to text? Who do you need to appreciate? Your mom was hard, but she taught you work ethic. But instead, the last 40 years, the context has been, well, your mom did all these things wrong, and she blah, 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 and blah, 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 and now we're going to accentuate all the pain that she gave us. And I'm not saying that she didn't do that, but you're one of the hardest workers. You're always bragged on for your work ethic. And instead of giving gra grace and gratefulness for what you've been given, we're totally focused on what they didn't do. Does that make sense? Go back to Adam and Eve. God gave them the garden and all this fruit, but the enemy is deceiving them on the one thing that God said no. Come on, you're hearing me. Here's 
This was a national day of fast. This is Abraham Lincoln. He said this, we have been the recipients of the choices, blessings of heaven. And we have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. And we have grown in numbers and wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten his gracious hand which preserves us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined and in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were somehow produced by our superior wisdom and our and virtue of our own. Everything good has been because what I have done. Don't forget God. Don't forget the goodness of God. Don't forget the people that God brought into your life. Don't be so focused on the pain that people brought that you miss the concept they left. Come on, hear what I'm saying. Come on, that's good. You better write that down. Don't, don't, don't be so, because there is no relational equity without pain. There is no proximity of people really knowing you and loving you without misunderstanding you. Don't allow your current situation to make you salty. Remember what God has done. Stop looking at all the lack. Don't allow the scary situations to overwhelm you. Have some everlasting hope, come on, in your life. There is a difference between want and need. When we are stressed by all the demands of our day, do you think God gives us more time? You think he adds four hours? God, I just, pastor, I just want to testify. I know there's 24 hours in the day for everybody else, but God just blessed me with 32. I want to testify. Like some of you have read the verse about God having the sun stand still and you have yet to organize your life because you're praying for the sun to stand still. And God's like, I've already given you what you need. I've given you a mind. I've given you intellect. I've given you ability. And why don't you start like kind of organizing your schedule? See, the truth of the matter is some of us need to stop praying that God would take our responsibilities away and we actually start organizing the responsibilities that he has and our prayers are more God you condition me to give me wisdom and focus on how to get all the things that I'm managing done I'm not saying stop praying I'm saying let's get going come on does that make sense listen Organize, prioritize, don't despise what you have. Praise God for what he's given you. You have the ability to say yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. You have the ability to stop and start. I'm not talking about quit. No one is going to save you from what you had said yes to. Come on. You said yes to this, 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 this. Now you're stressed out at the home, full of anxiety, and you're like, I, I just need someone to notice what I'm doing. And we did. You crazy. And it's so 
totally you. It's totally you because I'm not doing what you're doing and you are doing what you're doing and you are crazy and you're adding stress and you don't have enough time to do it all and you won't say no to nobody because your people pleasing. Eh, there's a lot of freedom issues up in here. But yeah, go ahead, keep on. It's going to be great. Come on. Live grateful. Stop saying that you don't have enough time and manage your day. Stop saying you don't have enough talent. We all have giftings. Those giftings were distributed before the foundations of the earth by the Holy Spirit. But you're going to have to develop every gift that you have and every coaching conversation, every hard conversation, every way that you take that gift and make it grow That can't be a moment for you to take your ball and leave every time. Like, this is how it grows. Stop acting like you don't have enough. Stop acting like you don't have enough money. Well, I really don't. Well, okay, instead of saying I don't have enough money, could we get mean about cutting everything that we don't need? Like, there is a deal going on in our society where it's like, because we don't want to deal with reality, we would rather be lost in scrolling and videos and movies and entertainment because, it, yes, it's $10 for this and $14 for this and $18 for this and whatever, and we have all of these streaming services that help us not be bored. Because we fear being bored. Because if we're bored, that means we have to think. And if we think, we're going to be in silence. And if we're silence, we're going to recall some things. And then I don't want to do that. So I'd much rather have something always playing to captivate my mind so I don't have to. F- Is this real? And so I'm just saying, like, maybe the prayers that we need to start praying as a church is, God, allow me the discipline to cut this off and grant me the strength to deal with my children's dirty looks when I say, bless God, I'm giving you opportunity. There's something that people used to have in their house. It's called books. (laughs) We're bringing back sexy. Here's a book. It doesn't have any pictures. I know it's crazy. The best picture places in your mind construct my little engineer. People can't dream their own dreams because they're always watching somebody else's dreams on the screen. You may not be where you want to be financially. But if we stop all of the other stuff, could you go to night school? Could you do a certificate online? Could you go to training? How could you grow? Could you say no to say yes? What could happen in your life? Because I don't believe that God has given you nothing. But I believe that he's given you something to develop. Come on, be thankful, be grateful. You are who you are. Develop who you are. Like who you are. Thank God for who you are. Thank God for the people in your life. Come on, come on, let, let, come on. Can we just have like 20 seconds of praise here? Will we can be, okay, okay, God, I'm grateful. Here's the third way. Philippians chapter 4, 15. And you, Philippians, yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left, 
Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. He goes into the backstory. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for me for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I, listen, this is important, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. Having received from Aphrodite the gift you sent me, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply, come on, every need of yours according to his riches and glory. To God and the Father be glory forever and amen. Here is the third way for you to live unshakable is you have to look at the effects of generosity. If you posture yourself in a place where I don't have enough, I am a victim, nobody's hearing me, nobody's listening to me, then what will happen is you will cease to be a giver in your life. For you to demonstrate unshakable faith, giving has to become part of your DNA. Why? Because Paul says, I seek. I don't seek to, to, to have your money. I don't seek to, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. In other words, when you stand before God in the judgment seat, he is going to show some of the things. The Bible says that every word that's spoken out of our mouth, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to hit, it's going to play. The awesome part is Jesus covers our sin, so all of that will be, erased but there will be things to your credit and I need you to know that when you begin to tithe and you begin to give you're actually sowing seeds and it is in your credit even if you never know the story when you get to heaven you're going to hear and see what you did with that gift because here's what I need you to say Jeff Bezos ain't building the church Elon Musk ain't building the church Amazon ain't building the church. The only people who build the church are saints, church people. That's the only ones that build. And is it, are we grateful and out of gratefulness we give? Or are we coming? Because here's the deal. All of this is because there were some people that had not only the desire, but they had the conviction. Not only the conviction, but they had the means. And so as we begin to talk about this, since we've been a church, we've seen marriages come back together. We've seen people battle sin, addictions, uh, break free from indecision and confusion. We, 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 we've been able to see people come into clarity through discipleship and doing life together. We've been able to live better outside the walls by loving our community. We've been able to uh, build this building because people sacrificed. I mean, just think about this for a second. Is that, you may be in a season where you're checking out churches, and, and that's great. I'm, I, I'm not throwing shade on any of that. We, we, we want you here. But you have to know you're coming into a, a place that someone had a desire to create a place, a chair, an air condition, a sound system, walls, and whatever, so that you could come and experience something that would change your life. Why? Not because we owe it, but because if the only thing is heaven, 
then I want to create opportunities that people can experience the only thing. I want to create opportunities that people can, what's been done in me, I want to, does this make sense? We are able to minister to other nations because people sacrifice. We're able to minister to different ages and demographics because people sacrifice. We're able to minister to pastors. This last uh, couple of, of weeks, we have met with pastors that are crying and, and, and going through stuff in their own lives. And we've been able to bless them and help them because when we give, we turn money. Come on, into ministry. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Your, your growth and transformation will be hindered if you don't get the revelation of, come on, I sacrifice to advance the gospel. Like that's what, that's what I do. And so here's the deal. This concept actually makes what you do for a career purposeful. I meet so many people that are like in their mid-40s and even 50s and they're like, I don't know the job I'm doing. It's just a paycheck. It's just a this. I don't even know if I enjoy it. But the greatest time I have is when I get to come and pray together with my family and the labor that I've given now has turned into the ability to sow a financial seed. And I feel like I might be doing what I don't want to do, but I'm actually building what I want to build, which is the church. Sacrifice is what Paul is showing us, and all of this is credited as financial seed. Can I tell you that giving starts in your heart? It moves to a discipline and it becomes a priority. Don't live an overextended lifestyle. Now, we're not under the law. And, and, and we do want you to give. And we realize that every context is different. And this, if you've just come into church, you may not be able to do 10% of the tithe or, or whatever. But you can, you can it, it's about what you start doing. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says this, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it all. You have to move into a position of giving. Philippians shows us a good tension between trusting God and stepping into maturity. Trusting God and stepping into maturity. If you want to become a giver, that will become, listen, a new discipline in your life. And listen, if you only give when you are compelled or you feel it, you're missing the concept of the discipline of it. For the sake of time, we could go into tithe and all of that later, and, and I'll do that at another time. But you can look through the Bible and you can see that there is something that Katie and I teach a lot of people when we're talking about money. And it is this 10. We know that the first part of our, 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 of our produce, the first part of our wealth goes to the Lord. It is a sacrifice and it, 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 it determines a level of surrender. So I give my first and best to God. Then I now manage 90% of my income. The next thing you have to do is you have to pay yourself. And paying yourself is not the operational budget. Paying yourself means you minimize the operation so much that you can get to 10% is paying you every paycheck because if you don't develop a savings account, you're going to need MasterCard's account. I give 10, I save 10, and I live on 80. 
and I manage 80. Why? Because the Bible says that a wise man leaves a legacy, come on somebody, to his children and his children's children. And the only way for you to leave a legacy is if you surrender the most and sacrifice the most. It doesn't mean that you can't have some things, but what you would rather have is giving the next generation an opportunity. And so what that means is for me to leverage the next generation, I may have to say no a little bit more to what I want and realize that I'm content because I'm leveraging the next. Does this make sense? And so as we, in this portion, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, but I say to the... But I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each person, you know, purpose in his heart what he's going to give. God loves a cheerful giver. So here's the bottom line is, if you don't sow, you can't. Come on, hear me. If you don't, you can't. This is something that will cause you to live totally unshakable. Giving has a ripple effect. One person can't change the whole world, but all of us together can impact a community. Pray over the seed that you sow. And if you're, if you're a giving hero, I just want to tell you like Paul, listen, God is doing some amazing things. And, and, and I want you to know that three times a year, some churches give out a, a statement of what we've done and whatever one time a year, but we three times a year, we give out a statement of where we're at financially, what God has done. We are giving that to people who are regular and recurring givers. And so if you have been that and you're not receiving that, I mean, it goes out three, three times a year because we want you to know what God is doing. Philippians chapter 4, 21 and 23. Here we go, let's end this. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. The saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. That, that is interesting, Caesar's household. Let's come back to that. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Here's the fourth thing. If you want to be unshakable, you've got to lean into community. You can't do it alone. You can't do it just on a podcast. You can't do it, come on, just watching YouTube preachers. Like you gotta have some people that know you because here's what happens is we are in a culture that chases content but only the people that know you know if that content is being applied. I love that Paul reminds them to give affection to the people in the faith. In other words, there should be a bond between us. And this is why we're encouraging you to jump into life groups. And some of you may have like life group trauma. Like you went over to someone's house and they had a cat. Or you went over to someone's house and you, you, you thought everyone was going to welcome you and eat your bean casserole. And they didn't like your bean casserole. You went to a home with just vegans. You didn't know that. That wasn't on the list. 
know what I'm saying? I would have brought oranges. But I didn't know. And now, instead of leaving connected, you leave. This is how those Christians. Now we made it about the bean dip. Come on. Way too many times, church people are the hardest on church people. And Paul's like, man, y'all bring it in. Let's show some love. My people love you. Your people love me. That's why when we turn around and we say greet someone, we don't actually want you to do this. You may be here one time, but we're like, hey, man, how you? I'm glad you're here. I have no idea what you're struggling with. I have no idea your story. I have no idea what you overcame to get here. I don't even know if you have gas money to get back home. But I am glad that you're here, and I believe God's doing something in you because God's doing something in me. And come on, we're all growing this thing. We are a family, and in this family, there are tons of personalities in this family and we all have issues, excuses and aggravations but we also have Jesus and we're not expecting you listen, to be perfect we are expecting you to grow and every year of your life there should be more transformation and every year of your life come on, you came in with the tacky tone and in the year it's still like an authoritative tone. And then in a year, it's like a caring tone. And then in a year, it's like people are asking for your opinion. And then all of a sudden, you're moving into wisdom. Like, that's what we're doing as a church. It just takes, come on, it, it, it takes a process. Paul is encouraging us to greet the saints, show them some love, give them a high five. And listen, let me just tell you this. Don't be so into what you're doing that you miss what God is doing none of us can minister to everyone can I just tell you it doesn't take a village it takes a church it takes a church a church Paul shouts out the saints in Caesar's household and the reason that's important is because Caesar was the name like a pharaoh Caesar was the name but Nero was the emperor and he was killing Christians. And yet there were some believers in Caesar's household. In other words, church people don't start picketing all the people in Caesar's house because God's working and God's working in Rwanda and Belize. Come on, in Rogers, in, in, in Bentonville, in Springdale, in Fayetteville. God's working at Walmart Home Office. God's working, come on, at J.B. Hunt. God is working in the White House. There is, God's moving all over. Unshakable. We want to be an unshakable church. We want unshakable faith. So if you're here today, and maybe you've been struggling with contentment, maybe there's this restlessness in you, and, and it, let's just be honest, um, you've gotten a little hard. Because you're in a season that you don't like because there's been some disagreements because
because there's been some conflict, you've kind of hardened yourself. And you, you know what it's like when you have the posture of hard? It's like, I'm going to do everything I need to do and nothing more. Hey, hug me. Did it. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Me too. Hey, we're in worship. Hard. Because you feel like in some way God has overlooked you, but God has not overlooked you. Hear what I'm saying? God has not overlooked you. God is doing something. God is doing something. God is doing something. And you have to allow Him to do it. You have to trust Him in the middle of it. You have to be grateful for all that God has brought you. Don't be, come on, don't be the person that's like, it's so hard. Where is God? Instead of what has God given you, He's actually asking you to call upon right now in this hard season. Are you giving? Are you generous? Are you, are you wanting everyone to see you and you see nobody? Or are you beginning to, come on, begin to give and posture yourself in that way? And lastly is this, are you leaning into community? Are you going through something? Who do you text? Who do you call? In this church, you're going to find a lot of friendliness. But you're not going to find friendship. You're going to have to build it. And I'm just telling you, if you're picking this church because we have fun and we all this and we do all of that, but you will still have to go get coffee, meet with people, be misunderstood, walk through the process. Like you're going to have to build a friendship and that friendship's going to have to go through some things in order for it to be deep. Don't crave surface friendship. You cannot build long-term friendship in a short-term, come on, build something. Jump in a life group. Let's see God do something in your life in years. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.